So, mindfulness, role of mindfulness, and the five indriya. Mindfulness always appears in terms of a cluster of other factors. It never appears on its own, which is always important to recognize because mindfulness is, isn't anything, some kind of special technique or refined attention, but it's uh, being able to bear something in mind. So it can be remembering, thinking. You know, thinking is a form, can be a form of mindfulness. You know, it says uh, one definition of mindfulness: one brings up and ponders and reflects upon the Dhamma repeatedly. Therefore, one is mindful of the Dhamma because you deliberately stay with that particular theme. So it can be continual thinking around a particular topic, <coughs> bearing it in mind. Um, it can also be such a thing as wrong mindfulness when you're bearing the wrong things in mind or states and factors and topics that cause the mind to become occluded, tense, desperate, overwhelmed, so on. Obsessive, and this is obsessive rather than skillful. But some are sati, right mindfulness. Yeah. putting energy into right mindfulness. When we look in the Satipatthana Sutta, you see various themes the Buddha presents for right mindfulness. Mindfulness of body, feeling, mind states, and phenomena, or particularly phenomena that are crucial to liberation. So even that, that's a selection, isn't it? The Satipatthana means really establishing mindfulness. It doesn't mean foundation, it means placing mindfulness. Mindfulness is something you establish and you place. It's a fundamental factor we all have, an indriya, the ability to bear something in mind, otherwise we are completely uh, mad, potty, incoherent. So it's associated with memory, remembering, staying with something, and then being able to reflect on it. And in the Satipatthana you have that mindfulness is coupled with full awareness. Awareness is a alertness, receptivity, uh, getting the sense of how things are. It's changeable, as skillful or unskillful, it's a basic... Awareness and mindfulness is that when it's used skillfully brings things to into the light of awareness rather than in terms of uh, you know pre uh, pre-existing patterns or assumptions it's a freshening you know so you don't keep remembering the bad things he did to me you know that you'd be mindful of all the faults and flaws of other people but then you're not bringing that to awareness we're bringing that topic to our memories of other people or to our perceptions you just want to be mindful bringing it to pure awareness how does that feel so it's objective like that how does that feel bearing this in mind what happens you're aware of that 
sustaining your mind on this, what happens? You're aware of that. So awareness, some prajanya full awareness, is the ability to, there's a kind of response that comes from that. You can registers. So this is where there is a, a, a kind of reaction or response which is not conceived. It's not a program. It's not a, a learnt thing. It's something that happens directly in awareness itself. We, we sense the displeasure or the poison of something, or the affliction of something, or we sense the skillfulness of something. It happens by itself. You have to make judgments. So quite a bit of that practice is about not having a lot of preconceptions or censoring or you know attitudes, but just trying to be fully aware. We're coming back to that freshness of the mind, the openness. Now faith, at least um, speaking of myself, faith is in in that is that ability to be open, trusting, not having a plan, not having a strategy. Just, mm. But then it needs support through discernment. You know what? What? Uh, how does this get lost? How do I get buried in things? How do I get compulsive about things? And then mindfulness to look more clearly, to hold more clearly the whole scenario of how I get caught, look into it, referring it to awareness, how I get caught and how I get freed, which is the topic of the fourth establishment of mindfulness. And you realize when, whenever there is a, a freeing up, what, it's like we return to the openness. The mind feels free, released, open. Oh, it's past. You know, you've referred something to awareness, it's let it go. So then your faith is increased and strengthened because it's, you've gone through a process that's returned to that home ground of original openness, mind, clear mind. That's what it seems to me. It's going through this process. The Buddha establishes these four places, but when we look at that, mindfulness of body can be uh, breathing in and out, can be um, the elements, can be the unattractive parts of the body. Body walking up and down just as a body, as a thing, as a set of experiences. Can be looking at a dead body or bringing that to mind. So all of these, in various ways, dispel particular attitudes, assumptions, where uh, hindrances and bondage occurs, suffering occurs, we get stuck. So if we contemplate, we just bring to mind and contemplate a dead body, noticing it, being aware of that, there's a natural recognition. We don't have to force it, we don't have to make a judgment, it's a natural recognition, this too 
is the fate of this body. This body too will become like that, will change its color, skin will fall off, body will swell, break up, be consumed by insects, maggots, flies. Flesh will change color, become discolored, hideous, uh, fall apart. Bones will be left, they will eventually crack up. This is the fate of this body. So that immediate sense of recognition. You have been to a autopsy or a sky burial. This comes home in a very visceral way. You really see that, and there's no going to say anything. Just the body knows this too is this. So this incredible feeling of being associated with a body and the appearance of it and the concern about it and the anxiety and the vanity and the am I losing weight, am I gaining weight don't worry, you'll lose it all <laughs> guaranteed slimming course <laughs> just drop dead <laughs> you know what my skin looked like it's got, well <laughs> tell you <laughs> it'll look like this so this can seem a bit kind of sick or grim, but it's there as a bitter medicine. You know, medicines don't always taste sweet to give one a feeling of freedom. You know? So if it just makes you, you know, miserable and morose or suicidal, then it's, you're not using it the right way, it's not the right medicine. You have to use the medicine you need. But you take a sip and see your own body, other people's bodies, you know, bodies you find attractive, bodies you wish you had, look like, well, there it is, you know. It, uh, it's a purpose to it. Picked, of course, with sexual desire. But the aim is to follow that through until your mind kind of empties to this what's called atamayata, not making anything. Not making anything of that. So your mind doesn't make these kind of thing, these qualities, these attraction, person, mine, should be what it would like, you know, be like and wonderful and better this way or that way. It's just the body. The mind doesn't do things. And that, that's the uh, that openness. Doesn't mean you're not seeing anything, but just that the mind doesn't create all this internal coloration we're so used to. We think it's it really is out there, not mind created. You see how much one's mind creates. And This gives you an insight into it. Recollection, mindfulness of the parts of the body. So we can see a body, the overall sense of it can be male, female, young, old, attractive, not attractive, like me, bigger, smaller, whatever. And just see, what are you looking at? 
What are you, what are you really seeing? Hair, teeth, spleen? Has anybody got a better spleen? Anybody else? Colon? looking at various parts, none of it is particularly, skin is just sort of stretchy fat membrane and yet when you wrap it all together it can give off this kind of appearance of being something but then what, what actually do you see? It's, 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 a, it's a trance, it's a kind of magic trick out of assembling Bits and pieces that in themselves are not, you know, don't give rise to that sort of uh, mystique of attraction, configuration, personality, which we recognize people by physiognomy. So it's um, looking at things as they actually as they actually are, rather than the mind's object that it makes out of it. Body in itself is just the body doing amazing things, marvelous things, and staying alive, wonderful. But it, that isn't what we holding our minds, we hold our minds the body of big, small, fat, slender, elegant, clumsy, whatever, mine, yours. Where's that? So the aim is to see the body in the body's terms, not in the mind's terms. So sometimes you just deliberately recollect and trace your awareness through the body bits at a time see actually it's you know it's, it's not not the perception body mindfulness of um, body as elements this is more when we come into more even more direct experience Internally or externally, body is a mass, something occupying space. It's the earth element. It's massiveness, sense of having a extending over space. So you look around, you see, you know, the space with these lumps in it, moving around, sitting still. That's the earth. They all, in that sense, they're all the same. So if you, you know, almost reduce the slight differences in size or shape or coloration of clothes, and just something hitting the eye as a as a shape, it's very cooling because your mind doesn't do much about that. You're reducing the constructions of the mind. Fire, the 
warmth of the body, one's own body, movement, movements of breathing, water, the, the quality that binds it all together into cohesive shape. The shape of a body is because of its water. If there were no water, it'd just be dust. Unable to hold a shape, you can't build anything out of dust, it just crumbles. It's the water that binds it into holding a shape. It's rather like you like you see a um, plastic bag, shopping bag, you know, out of Tesco's, the shopping bag, and it's got cans of dog meat and flour and sugar and tea and whatever in it. This is bag with his lump stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could be anything really, but from the outside it looks like a certain shape we're holding it together and you could be really could look quite attractive often the way things are packaged they often do look attractive because of the packaging when you open it up it's just cans of dog meat tea sugar so on and yet when it's all packaged you can attractive shapes and lumps interesting lumps to it Lumps and curves. We get big on lumps and curves. <laughs> in the right place, of course. A lump in the wrong place is bad news, but lumps in the right place can really get you going. It's just like having a lump in a plastic bag. It could be, could be just dog food, tea, soap powder. It's just shape. What shape does to the mind? You look at it just as water, fluidity, earth, movements. And you can extend that analysis to all things in nature. So then you see the body really as part of nature, which is more true. It's not really a part of me. It's a it's an thing that's formed through the process of amino acids and life force and proteins and genomes and all that kind of stuff. So it builds up into this uh, very elaborate and rather marvelous form in nature. And seeing like that, you give a sense of marvel, respect for it. It's amazing what it does. But that's not often what people find in bodies. Don't see them as incredible what your kidneys do. I really go off, get off on your kidneys. You're doing amazing stuff, processing all that stuff every day. You know, trying to get a, a machine to do that would be the size of a room. Your kidneys stuck in your back. People don't get off on each other's kidneys. <laughs> and yeah, that's more important than the skin colour, skin tone, whether you've got a blot or a wrinkle, which becomes a real source of obsession for people. And if you want to really appreciate a body, appreciate kidneys and bile duct and uh, <laughs> gallbladder and pancreas and those marvellous things. So this isn't just trying to trash the body, but to really free it from those mental 
concoctions that cause us so much pain and passion, disappointment, frustration, jealousy, anxiety and so on, suffering. And you can bear that in mind. You know, do something with the day, just bear that in mind, stay with that. Your own body, other people's. Stay with it as earth. Moving around as it moves, be with the movement of it, the walking, feeling the movement of it. How do you know you have a movement? Sense of pressures shifting and changing. Hmm? Something becoming strong and then releasing, strong and then releasing, the rhythmic shift of pressures, flow, movement, the air element. So this is calming. We walk up and down feeling that. It's calming, in fact. So to be mindful of that. Because it, it reduces the, the way our minds spin out when we walk along, move around and spin out into the future and the past and duties and obligations and this, that and the other. Just bringing it back into the body moving. We can do this every day. This monastery, we walk around a lot. Only be 50 meters backwards to the house, dining hall, up the stairs, down again to the shower, out to the backyard, and so forth. And yet, it's all, you know, bearing it in mind, the movement of it. And in monastic culture, it's, it's really important to do that. We have a whole culture around how we move quietly, not banging our feet, not slamming the doors, opening things carefully, putting them, closing the carefully, no hurry not scrambling, not running. So it's set up to be mindful of, of movement. I know. Mm. You can just generally, you know, my mind is pushing to get to where I want to go. Get out, get the washing up done, clean the bowl, get to my cootie, finish that. You feel it like a dog on a leash, just trying to get out. It's a, Hold it back. Before you get out, you've got to get up. You've got to generally bow. You try and bow three times. Use that to just get the mind to come back into this particular movement. Particularly as it's a movement of showing respect. You don't want to just kind of bounce up and down three times as quick as possible and jump out. Why bother? But it's something to develop mindfulness with so you're in your body as it moves gesture of respect or gratitude or acknowledgement Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha where we are moving out so you're staying in that calming effect Movement is very important because it's often the case that in our conditioned lives there's a lot of fidgeting, restlessness, jumpiness. We've been, in lay life, you're often trained to rush. Bell goes, you rush. Clock is this way, you rush. Jump down, doing five things at once. Talking to one thing, doing one thing, eating in the same time, just rushing around. And uh, just taking it to be with one movement at a time, smoothly, so it becomes a softening, calming quality to it.
when you sit, coming to the earth. The whole body, the form of it, the stability of it. So it's a nice grounding feeling, steadying, good earth, steady, strong. Bearing these things in mind. The energy is there to just keep bringing us back into that. Nothing, we don't have to do anything more out of it, but just to keep bringing the mind back into that. Stay holding it there, carefully putting it back in there. So this we're reducing the hindrances of agitation, restlessness, um, the non-restraint of the mind, we're learning to restrain the mind see through its its plans and strategies and speed and experience calm, openness. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the original openness of mind, which is not programmed, not inscribed, not covered in, covered up. The mindfulness of breathing, which is actually where the Buddha begins discourse. That's I'm doing it the, the other way around. Mindfulness, because mindfulness breathing can seem too subtle, but uh, it's there as the main main plank, mainstay of the the Buddha's teaching or meditation. using that to clear, to empty, to take us back, to clear the agitation, the dullness, the drowsiness, because with mindfulness of breathing you're very much tuning into the uh, energy, the body energy. That's why when you establish mindfulness of breathing, often you find yourself, because you're coming out of the more mental energy with its enthusiasm and interest and thoughts and into the body and it can suddenly you can't make it mind blots out it's too like changing gear too quickly so you're thinking yourself into the body thinking the out breath asking your mind to just describe it to you or the in breath is it in your belly is it in your chest what's it doing noting naming it tracking it as you get more steady in it you can feel that that flow of energy that comes along with it and it clears the mind of dullness um, distraction and instead you experience this quality called piti which is a rapture the the sudden sense of uh, the body energy becomes clearer more zestful coming out of its turgid state or its agitated state the mind also has become obedient light receptive so there's this sense of a shining a rising a resonant sharpness we're coming back to the mind feels fresh and bright so we're using this mindfulness of breathing to clear the hindrances 
There are various things that we can um, do with mindfulness. We're trying to get it right. Well, that puts a strain on it. We're trying to get good at it. These mental strategies, however well-meaning, I mean, we don't trust the breathing itself. So all the Buddha says is just know that you're breathing. He doesn't say make it any more than that. Just know you're breathing in and know you're breathing out. There's a certain simplicity of mind that's required, a certain openness, trustfulness of mind that's required for that. You're not making a whole lot more out of it. Of course, when we're used to highly high-powered mental or emotional energies, then it can we might feel dull because it can't get that same sense out of it. So you use the breathing, so, so saying, so slowing it down, going right to the end of the out-breath, pausing, regulating the breathing. So you get very engaged with it, thinking it, holding it, being with it, feeling it specifically. So you apply different kinds of energy to that. Still, what will happen in that quality of mindfulness, still because you're settling, the mind as it settles, some of its uh, backlog of pressure, of agitation, of sorrow, of ill will, of starts washing up. That's fine. So, but then we hold holding on to the mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of breathing, you're finding a place or creating a, uh, finding a place where this mental stuff can discharge. You just feel the feeling, let it flow through, stay mindful of the body, and then the mind stuff flows through, ends. It's empty. So mindfulness of the body acts like a, a huge bottomless, Bin, your mind empties itself into it. It empties it. That bit's gone. That bit of worry, that bit of ill will, is gone. It's emptied out. Not through fighting with it or denying it or repressing it, figuring it out, but just through being mindful of the body in while that's happening. So the other foundations or the other establishments sit within mindfulness of the body you can experience as you're sitting the mindfulness based on the body you can start to experience what what comes up in the mind and then letting it flow through staying connected to this simple steady presence it's like a patient listener has no reactions no attitudes it just lets it flow through coming to that openness, that emptiness. Where it empties, quietens down, you find yourself there with the breathing. And then, so the, over time, this is what builds up the sense of, of the samadhi, collect unification through this discharge of the hindrances.
and then to be mindful of the body so we're not bringing mind to mind things like how long why bother which, you know mental just mindful of the body this is what you've got this bodily formation so the trust the faith in it And then when we feel we, you know, it's not working, what we just clearly look at what we're doing. It's often the case that true mindfulness of the body has been lost. With you know, we've we've let go of it. We've slipped away from it. This is what the Buddha called the flood stopper. It's the place where those floods of passion and agitation are not continued, empty out. 